Well, we've made it through. Am I on? Okay. Oh, yes, I am. We are in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, We've made it through, for those of you who love history, really, really, really love history. I think next week we'll do some economics. Maybe. I said, just, uh, no? No? Okay. Daniel chapter 12. Uh, closes out not just this vision that we've been in th- since uh, since uh, chapter 10, but it closes out the book. And um, I don't want you to get sidetracked by the divisions. This is there someone's placed chapter divisions kind of just because we didn't want an 80 verse chapter. <laughs> this has all been one thing talking about the decline of of, uh, of these nations and and moving on towards Jesus Christ. And so Daniel has gotten these visions, but eventually we all come to something we don't know, right? Uh, No matter what you're studying, whether it be economics or whatever it is, you you eventually come to something you don't know. And this message is full of things that we have a difficult time with. Uh, So I've entitled this sermon, Unknown. Uh, We don't have all the history available uh, all the time. A lot of that stuff has been lost to us. I mean, I suppose the people that this was written to understood it because they lived in it. Uh, they had resources that we don't. Um, they would probably be able to read this and go, oh yes, this is what he's warning us of. And this is, but when we come to some things, we're going to try to piece it together and, and try to understand. But it, but it gets, we reach a point where it's difficult. And I think that's kind of the point, maybe, that we can draw from it. And so we're going to start in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, Verse 1, we're going to read through the end. It says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will rise. And there will be a time of such distress as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine in the brightness of the heavens and will lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there and in order to increase knowledge. And then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood in front of me two others, one on this bank of the river and, and one on the other side of the bank. And one of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long? Will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and then his left hand towards the heaven. And I heard him swear by the one who lives forever, saying it will be for a time, times, and a half a time. And the power of the holy people has been finally broken. These things shall be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And he said, go your way, Daniel. Because the words are closed up and sealed till the end, till the time of the end. Many will be purified and many made spotless and refined, but the wicked shall continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for it and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end, and you will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. 
Well, this has a, a lot of potential meanings. You see the, the confusion. Um, we've, we've looked at some things, and, and hopefully as we've gone through, Daniel goes, wow, that was interesting. And, it, and we see things happening, and wow, that should have been obvious to people. And of course, maybe it was to some, and maybe it wasn't to others. But this does have a lot of potential meanings. When we read the, the opening of this chapter, uh, one of the, the ideas that we are probably quickly drawn to is the, the end of everything. Our, our mind is drawn towards that. The language is very similar. Uh, we see, people, we see a, a resurrection being mentioned. Uh, we see uh, a, books being opened. Right? That, that, that symbolic, uh, symbolic language is used in Revelation to describe the end. Um, and, and so our, our mind is first drawn there, I think. And, and that's one of the interpretations of this. I, I don't particularly believe that. Uh, because there is one, one small problem in that, is, is that a, after this, this period of time, he says that, that there's still going to be this process of convincing people that are, are going on. And, and there's still going to be a process of people continuing to live wickedly. Uh, as we look at in, in verse, uh, beginning verse three, uh, through, or 3 and 4, uh, and even into to, uh, this next little bit, it, it, there's still this process of life that he's... He's referencing. So I think this judgment and, and this, this period of, uh, of, of purifying is something different. Uh, again, we're talking about some things that is getting difficult to understand. Uh, but hopefully we'll shed some... Uh, like, is this just... A, has, is he reviewing? We've seen that before. We've seen him go back and review some history. Is he, is he talking about a slight shift forward? Now, up until this time, we've been talking about this guy by the name of Antiochus IV. Um, is he talking about what happens immediately after, uh, talking about some of these difficult times? And there was this, this great time of suffering. Uh, and there was a continued period of suffering. We talk about the, this, this period of time is the time we talk about uh, the, the, the period of the Maccabees, where, where they were in rebellion against Greece. Uh, and it's after this period of time that, that Daniel is predicting that that, uh, that this temple was going to be purified in 165 um, B.C. Well, all five of the, the Maccabee brothers died after that period. And so, so there's still this great period of suffering to come uh, that's going to, to come over about a 30-year a, a period uh, there's still that. So, so it's possible that this is just a slight move forward. Uh, some people look at this and say, well, now he's moved on. There's this shift to, to talking about Rome because we remember that back in Daniel chapter 2, uh, that, that statue, that great statue kind of went through the, through the, uh, through the empire of Rome. And, and we even saw some, some, different, uh, some different visions concerning that great beast, right? Uh, that was a reference to Rome. Sometimes the Bible uses, we've seen many times here, even in, in Daniel, this, this reference to the end. And, and there's been many ends. The end doesn't always mean the end. right? It, it means the end of a period. Uh, the time of the end of whatever he's talking about. So, so we don't necessarily have the ability to just look at the word the end and say, heaven, that would be great. Uh, but we've seen throughout this, this, 
great book of prophecy that he references the end of maybe your suffering or, or the end of this particular period in time or the end of this vision. We've seen many tribulations, right? many desolations of the temple because there have been many. Uh, there, there was the desolation. We've seen the abomination of desolations and, and uh, we've seen a couple of them. We saw that happen when, when, uh, when Babylon took over uh, took over Jerusalem. We see it again under Greece. We see another one predicted under Rome. And then, in fact, Jesus had to specify. When you see the, that particular one that was Dan- Daniel was talking about, right? There's several. And there's even going to come one after the fall of Jerusalem. There's going to be another one spiritually talking about that. So, so there's all these different references. And it's kind of unknown, well, I want to, in fact, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to come back to Daniel. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 24. And you might want to keep your, your place there in, in Matthew 24 because it is interesting. And, and there is some, some references to this. Matthew chapter 24 gives some similarities to this text that we've read. And I believe for this reason that... This closing of this chapter is looking into the future uh, distantly. There are some things. Sometimes what, what prophecy does is it has like two interpretations. Uh, there'll be like a short term one and then there'll be like the real significant one. Like, for example, the Bible predicted uh, the rise uh, of, of Solomon. It says uh, there was when, uh, when the, the various uh, sons uh, were being uh, the sons of Jacob were being given their blessings. It says, uh, peace will come to Shiloh. And, and it references, okay, Solomon, Solomon was a king of peace, but, but eventually Christ was going to be that scepter, that, that major fulfillment of that. So that's how it kind of had two different fulfillments. And I think that's, there's a short-term thing, but there's a long-term, really significant thing. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, we're going to see some similarities to, to what Daniel says. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, uh, there will be great distress, and this is in this long chapter predicting the, what we talk about, the abomination of desolation. He says, there is uh, going to be a great distress, unequaled since the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. And so, so there's some similarities in the language. Uh, we see both Daniel and Jesus use this language of great suffering that, that's kind of unparalleled. Right? So there's a similarity. Uh, both texts identify a particular group. In, in Daniel, it's worded as those whose names are found in the book. Right? Uh, Matthew refers to them as the elect. And so, so there's this, this special group that's, that's mentioned. And uh, there's also this period of, of saying, but it's going to be cut short. Jesus uses that reference. And, and Daniel says, it's going to be for a period of time. And then God's going to step in and say, okay, enough is enough. Right? It's not going to be allowed to go on forever. 
We talked about Michael fighting for people. And I think that's an important reference in here because it shows that it's, it's something happening on this planet. It's, it's not referencing uh, the end of the world and the final judgment. He references Michael as, as the one who fought for the Hebrew people. And, and so this seems to be referencing something that's going to, to happen here. So we turn back to Daniel chapter 12. And so we, we need to look at verse 2 and 3, I think, are important. It says, Multitude who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame, some to everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those will lead many to righteousness. Uh, so, so there is this idea of there's this continuing conversion going on. There's a, an evangelization still under this period of time, whatever period of time he's talking about. I want you to go back to the statement that we read last week. We were talking about under Antiochus. We, we, we talked about how all victories don't necessarily look like victories. Uh, that heroes are, are made even sometimes in losing efforts. And, and the, 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 the passage that brought us to that from last week was this passage where it talked about how, how many were going to be purified through that process. And God was looking at this great spiritual outcome, even while the temple, it seems the temple's in disarray and, and all these negative things are happening and the people being persecuted and God's saying, yes, but people are being purified. Well, that, I don't like that. I mean, I, I don't like the suffering part of that. Because I'm doing something bigger than, than whether or not you're suffering or whether or not there's a temple or whatever. I'm doing something more important. And that's, again, the same, the same illustration is used here. And some are rising to uh, everlasting life. That throughout this great period of suffering that he was going to, to see happen on this earth and allowed to happen that people were going to rise to everlasting life under this great persecution. So we direct our attention to two angels standing on the sides of this stream, river, whatever it is. and One asks the other one a question. Uh, apparently it's a rhetorical question. I assume angels know. But it's, it's, for, it's for Daniel's purpose that he's giving this vision. I don't know why an angel would ask another angel a question if he knew the answer. But he says, how long? In life, we want to know two things. And this is one of them. If you've driven for any certain distance with children in your car, you will hear this question, how long? And what do you say to the you got a six-year-old kid. What, do you just describe how many hours that is? Well, how long is that? Yeah. Well, 17 hours. Yeah, how long is that? It was it Marie was telling me that they would leave their kids at Grandma's house, and she had to describe how, how long they were going to be gone in terms of how many Barney shows that was. Okay, three, I can, the kid can visualize that, you know, how many Barney shows. Uh, we... How long? This angel, and I'm sure this is, is the question that Daniel has, and so maybe, maybe this other angel is asking on Daniel's behalf. He can read his mind or something. I, I don't know. How long? How long is this going to be? And you give your kids the answer. They don't, they don't like the answer because it doesn't make sense to them. 
And, and so, uh, the angel says, okay, I'll give you an answer, sort of. You're not going to like it. You're not going to, a time, times, and a half time. Yeah, what does that mean? My brother was, uh, he worked at a truck stop in Elmira, New York. Uh, and I was on Route 17 going down towards New York City. And he, so truckers were always, you know, it was just constantly in there. And, and one guy was apparently coming from not near there. And uh, he says, so how far is it to, to New York from here? And uh, he says, it's 200 miles. So how long is that going to take? Uh, it's like two hours? And my brother... Um, doesn't suffer fools much. He says, if you drive 100 miles an hour, you'll be there in two hours. Right. So, so uh, we don't like the answer. So we fight with the answer. Time, times, and a half a time. What does that mean? Well, that's three and a half years. A time is a year. Two times is another two years and a half time. You do that math, right? It's three and a half years. Okay, what does that mean? Three and a half years. Well, as I said, it has possibly a first fulfillment. If if he was talking about this period of time that Antiochus was was going to put up that statue of Zeus in the temple or start raiding at whatever that period of time was, it was approximately three and a half years until the Maccabees um, finally kicked them out. And, and restored the temple, and, and, and we have the, the Feast of Hanukkah today. They celebrate that, that event. It was approximately three and a half years, but I think there's a more significant fulfillment. Because he says, he asks the question, he says, till all these things are fulfilled. We're, we're at the end of Daniel. Remember, he's recapping, really, he's recapping this book. And there's been a ton of visions Daniel's just left with more questions. Sometimes we do that. We learn and we end up with more questions than, than, than when we didn't have any. It was like, if I could go back and not know anything, I wouldn't have any questions now. And he's just left with tons of questions. When? Well, I don't understand. Well, the furthest reaching vision so far that Daniel has had has, had, has been during this, this rise of this religious power we talked about going back several chapters that would come out of Rome. And I believe that is to this event that the angel directs. I say that because Revelation refers back to this in fact in three different ways. He calls it he uses the same language time times and a half time. He uses 1260 days and he refers to it as 42 months. Those are all the same exact time period if you do the math. So I want to look at the second fulfillment really, really quickly. Um, in the year 533 AD, there was an emperor of Rome. And we talked about this transition between, from Rome to a religious power in Rome. In 533, Emperor Justinian, the political ruler, gave the bishop of Rome two titles that he had never had before. He was called the head of all bishops of the church. That's pretty important. And he gave him the title, the true and effective corrector of all heretics. That's pretty important. 
That means that at that point, the Bishop of Rome, later called the Pope, now had the wonderful ability to punish politically. It is beginning from this year, if you count a time, times and a half a time, 1260 days, that you would, a day for a year, come to the year 1793. 1793 was the French Revolution. And in the French Revolution, Europe threw off all religion. It's led us to where we are in the world today. The, the French Enlightenment, German Enlightenment, all that threw off all religion, and largely because of the influence of the papacy and their rejection of it. They burned Bibles. They hated religion. And from that point, the papacy has never had that political clout that they had up until that year. That's a pretty, pretty tidy fulfillment. There's no way Daniel could have understood that. There's no way an angel could have sat down with, with Daniel and, and run through history and said, now you understand? It's like, it would have just blown his mind. What does it mean? How long? You just don't understand thousands and thousands of years from now. You, you, you can't understand the cultural changes. You can't understand that. Well, there's a, another question. Daniel says, okay, you can't really understand that one. The second question that everybody asks and all kids, what's going to happen? We all want to know what's going to happen. And that's what Daniel asked. Okay, okay, okay. so what's, what's going to happen? Well, you couldn't figure out when. Probably what's not going to do you much more favor, isn't it? We all want to know what's going to happen. And the, the first time, the angel gave him an answer that he couldn't understand. Hey, you want an answer? I'll tell you. You're not going to understand it. This time, the answer is different. He says, no. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Go your way, Daniel. Go your way. It's not for you. It's sealed up. That is used also in Revelation. Similarities of Daniel and Revelation are very, very interesting. So much language that is, is borrowed. Because many are going to act wickedly. Okay, that's, that's kind of some general things. Many are going to be purified. But for the most part, I'm not telling you what's going to happen. That's not necessarily for you to know. It's for other people to live and experience, and I've given them enough. But we want to know. He says the wise will be able to understand. In other words, when, when the, the wise people, based on your vision, are going to be able to look at what's going on, and, and when it applies to them, thousands of years from now, they'll understand it. Daniel, it's not for you. You've lived a good life. He says, go and enjoy Go and, 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 and I believe he's referencing Daniel's probably impending death. Maybe he's almost 90 years old if he's not 90. Go your way. You've lived a good life, been a good servant, you've lived in a hard time. You don't need to bother yourself with all of the stuff. 
that's going on in the world. It doesn't belong to you. He gives him two time periods. I, I believe these are not a year for a day. I believe that these are literal. And I think as he's recapping, he gives some people some comfort. He says, he gives two periods. He says, uh, From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed is the one who waits and reaches for the 1,335 days. Now, we're going to go back to, to Matthew chapter 24. And I, I didn't do what I told you to do, which was hold my place. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 15. <clears throat> He says, so when you see standing in the holy place that abomination that causes desolation, which was spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. It's the same language. When it comes time to understand it, the people will understand what I'm talking about. And so, so we're a little bit closer in time, and Jesus says, it wasn't for Daniel, but, but Daniel wrote about it, and now the reader will understand it. It's coming soon. Let that reader understand, and the house who are... Uh, then let all those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And, and he goes on and describes what's going to take place in about 40 years, which is the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of Rome. It is going to be total destruction and annihilation. It's not going to be... The one under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, the one under Antiochus, pale in comparison to the absolute destruction that will happen by General Titus, the the son of the Emperor Vespasian. It is very graphic and horrific. Things I won't even say. If you like to read history, you can read Josephus. And see his descriptions of, of things that happened. Well, 1290 days, what is that? Josephus, I will refer to him a little bit. Because he was a, a historian. He was, he was a Jew, but he was a, what they call a freedman. Which means he had been a slave of, of a Roman person. And that person would like them and call them a freedman. He'd make them a citizen. So he was, he was well respected by his owner. I know we don't like that language. Well, this is what he describes. Titus's siege of Jerusalem began in a month that roughly translates or is what we would call October. It was a slightly different name. October 27th, 66 AD, is when the siege begins. He breaks through Jerusalem's walls on the 14th of July, AD 70, 1,290 days later. That is about 500 and almost 600 years 
after Daniel writes this. That's pretty impressive. Well, what about this other period? Because that leaves us with the, a 45-day period. Well, as breaking through the walls, what the first thing they do is they look for stuff. Put down any rebellions that exist, first of all, uh, if there are any factions, which there were a few. And, uh, and then you take stuff. You conquered, you take. And so there's this period of looting. Then after you loot, you burn. And that's that. That's the end. Josephus writes that the city was burned on August 6th, 70 AD. 45 days after they broke through the walls. 1,335 days after Titus came to Jerusalem. That's impressive. When, when the Bible, when, the, when, when God sees the future, he's not off by a day. He's not off by two days. He's not kind of close to right. He's not somewhat in the general vicinity. He's not Nostradamus. Uh, something will happen in Europe. So what does this mean for us? As we close. Close out the sermon. Close out Daniel. Some of you are thankful for that, I'm sure. We've seen a lot of things. And, and where do we end up? Sometimes we end up unknown. When, what's going to happen and when is it going to happen? Don't you want to know that right now? We start, I, I started this series in January not knowing what was going to happen. Not, not really realizing where we would be at. And sometimes things seem like they can't get any worse. And then they get worse. Like, and Daniel had to go through that. You mean there's another abomination of desolation? Yeah, yeah. This one's going to be worse than all the others. What's going to happen? Are God's people going to survive? Yeah, Michael's, Michael fights for you. That's what he had to be told. Listen, we, we have to be told God hasn't forgotten you exist. God hasn't forgotten that, that he has a people down here. What, what's what, what's going to happen? Eh, you'll figure it out. You might have to wait. I'm not going to tell you. Wait, God's plan is never obvious. It would, would be nice if it was obvious. Wouldn't you like God's plan to be obvious? I, I would figure it out. You know who else would figure it out? Satan. <laughs> so God keeps it deliberately concealed so that Satan can't figure it out either. You think if Satan understood the plan that he would have crucified Christ? No. While everyone else thought that he was trying to set up a physical kingdom, so did Satan. That's how God gets accomplished what he's getting accomplished. And so, unfortunately, we have to go without knowing what the future holds. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's unknown. I said that last week. Is God going to rescue America? Is God going to rescue the world? Is everything going to go back the way it was? I would love that to happen. I have no idea. 
When? God, when? How long? When? If God told us the answer, we probably wouldn't understand it. If God, if God came down and explained everything to us, we'd go, huh? When you can't see any further, it feels like it's the end. And Daniel had to have, we've seen so many times throughout the book of Daniel, that Daniel was given this vision and it was so awful, he couldn't get up for days. He couldn't eat for days. A mighty man like Daniel, and this overwhelmed him. So I'm significantly less than Daniel. I can tell you that. It would overwhelm us. You know, people are always predicting the end of the world. Oh, the end of the world. I, I remember 1988. Everybody remember 1988? 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. Those pamphlets are somewhere. There's probably still a stack of them printed somewhere in, in, a, in a closet. I don't know where. Oh, all the apocalyptical books that have been written. All the predictions. Because you just simply don't understand. Stop trying to, trying to predict when. The Bible uses this dramatic language to talk about suffering under Greece or under Persia or under this or under that, under Rome. And none of them was the absolute end of the world, of life as we know it. And people want to, oh, we're in the end. We're in the last days. Maybe. I don't know. God will figure that out. Let that be God's. If God was going to explain it, it would be too big for my head. It's not for me to know the end. So in the meantime, let us use the advice given to Daniel. Go your way. Go your way. I'm almost done. We get to go our way. Another week we come back and worship together. Go your way. Live your life. In the meantime, do what God asks us to do. That is to give up control. I, 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 can't, I can't force it. We've, we've seen people in, throughout this book try to force the vision. And it didn't work. Knowledge of what's going to happen doesn't change my responsibility. Even if I know what's going to happen tomorrow, I still have the identical responsibility. All of the things God tells me to do do not change if I know what and when. So I can still go out as a Christian and do what I'm supposed to do, not knowing what or when. I still have the same moral requirements. And I still have the same requirements of showing others to Christ. That is my obligation, whether or not I know what's going to happen tomorrow or when. Next week, next year, 10 years after I die, when I'm going to die, makes no difference. Now, giving up control doesn't mean being inactive. Circumstances are what they are. It means understanding what you can control. There's only one thing that I can control. The things I do.
I can't control what other people do around me or when they do it. Politically, socially, all the things our, our world is worried about right now, I have no control. So give up control. And go out and do what Christ has asked us to do. As we close, there's one other area of control to give up. And that is if you've not given control of your life to Christ. If your life is still under your own control in the sense that you're trying to direct your own happiness, and God doesn't have control of your life. God says, give me control. It is time to be immersed into Christ, to accept His blood, and to change that direction, to purify your robes.